Hello, and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I've got Darcy with me. Darcy, how you doing? I am burning alive in my home because it's summer no in Alabama. Kidding. <laughs> it's like 100 degrees in my attic. We do not have air conditioning in my house, and it's literally like podcasting is now like a full-on cardiovascular Endurance workout with sport. sweat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I'm not kidding you. Yeah, so um, it's it's a challenge. Yeah. I'm literally dripping sweat, but it's okay because this has got to be burning calories in some way, shape, or form, right? Uh, I mean, if your heart rate's up, yeah, you're technically burning calories. I don't know the actual. I don't know how much extra benefit you're actually getting, but <laughs> more than if you were sitting in a controlled temp room. Yeah. Well, today is a very, very serious day on a lot of fronts. There's a lot going on in the world right now, but one of the most important decisions that just came down was literally the Roe v. Wade overturning decision. Yeah. Um, And this was pretty huge. This happened today. This was a landmark decision in the overturn of Roe v. Wade, which drew swift and emotional reactions across the country. Trigger laws put in place before the ruling meant that abortion was effectively outlawed in 13 states just as soon as the decision was released on Friday morning. Yeah, Alabama's included in that. Yeah, some members of Congress plotted their next moves, including the House Majority Whip Jim Slyburn from um, South Carolina, Mm -hmm. who expressed optimism that Democrats can mount a legislative response to the Dobbs decision. Many more are concerned about the Supreme Court ruling and what it could mean for other milestone decisions, particularly after conservative, did you hear about this? Clarence Thomas called for the Supreme Court to reconsider gay marriage and contraception after the Roe ruling. So yes, so I I had heard rumors about this kind of, like the triggering other- um, The overturning of other very, very serious rulings. But which states can ban abortion? Right, so you said Alabama was one of them. 22 states. 22 states have laws that could be used to restrict the legal status of abortion. And um, four West Coast states vow to protect the abortion within their borders and kind of be safe states, safe haven states for people that want to have abortions. But Republican lawmakers moved to ban abortion in about half of US states Mm -hmm. following this landmark decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. And then a cluster of Democratic states, um, primarily on the West Coast, are standing apart in a vow to protect abortion. But on Friday, governors in California, Washington, and Oregon, and Nevada promised to protect reproductive rights and help women traveling west seek abortions as communities now expect an influx of visitors in search of safe places to get the procedure done. California, Washington, and Oregon joined forces in what officials call the West Coast Offense. Hmm. They want to locally protect and expand abortion rights that are being outlawed across the U.S., but leaders are signaling worry about what has yet to come and what other reversals may be in store after the death of Roe v. Wade. So 26 states are certain or likely to ban abortion as a result of the decision. Yes. Companies like Match.com, Bumble, Amazon, Citigroup, Salesforce, Tesla, Yelp, Lyft, and J.P. Morgan have begun to travel have begun to cover travel expenses for employees who want to get abortions if they don't have procedures in their home state before the official ruling came out. So some experts worry that these bans could also trickle down to restrict the use of emergency contraception and birth control, particularly the morning after pill. Uh, The rhetoric has clearly been increasing over the past several years, says Mara Gundal Power, Director of Birth Control Access at the National Women's Law Center. 
There's definitely a domino effect, which I think people are really starting to wake up to. Health experts say what's particularly driving this legislation is the misconception that emergency contraceptives are able to terminate a pregnancy. Right. Medications do not work to terminate or abort a pregnancy, say doctors. If the patient were pregnant and took Plan B, it does not increase abortion and doesn't have any effect on the ongoing pregnancy. So right. what essentially did Roe v. Wade say? Right. I don't think it means what people think it means. It's in most in many cases. It's it's it's. I know it's a it's a healthcare protection, and that within that was the protection for a safe abortion access. So today, what happened was Roe v. Wade was overturned, and Roe v. Wade itself was a 1973 decision, and it was a landmark case of the U.S. Supreme Court in which the court ruled that the Constitution of the U.S. generally protects a pregnant woman's liberty to choose to have an abortion. The decision, which struck down many U.S. federal and state abortion laws, fueled an ongoing debate in the U.S. about whether, to, or what extent abortion should be legal who should decide the legality of abortion and what role the moral and religious views in the political sphere should have in this. And it shaped debate concerning which methods the Supreme Court should use in a constitutional adjudication. So this decision didn't necessarily ban abortion, but it kicked it back to the states. Yes. The states now have the right to decide whether abortion is going to be legal in each individual state. So it's not federally protected anymore. Each state has the right to make its own decision Correct. on this which is what this is saying. So it's not an out and out ban of abortion. It's basically the states have the right to choose that on their own. So there are some states that chose to keep it and some states that chose to ban it already. Like they said, there are about 22. Yeah, so there's 13 but. states that had the trigger laws, which means as soon as Roe was overturned, these laws go, go into effect. Alabama is one of those. Um, so I'm just gonna read a tweet from one of the rep House representatives from the state of Alabama. Overturning Roe means that 13A-13-7 is now the law in Alabama. The law making abortion a Class A felony won't go into effect until the injunction is lifted, but as it stands, abortion, except to preserve the mother's life or health, is now a crime in Alabama, and they will also prosecute persons for conspiracy if they help a woman travel to another state to get an abortion wow that's pretty intense yes so i think too part of the larger concern is people's kind of feeling like this is going to be like i said earlier a yeah. domino effect and that this the courts are now going to be have an influx of cases that are going to be civil rights type cases on major decisions that have been made over the last couple of decades and overturning those as well in particular the the rights for people that of um, the LGBTQ right. communities. And, and I so. do want to point out also, there are a list of 83 elected prosecutors across the country who have pledged today to use their discretion and not criminalize persons who seek or provide abortions. There is a statement that has been released. It's the fairandjustprosecution.org. Um, and there are 83 and there are many um, prosecutors on this list that are in some of these states with trigger laws, including one from Birmingham, Alabama. So, um, yeah, so, so it's contentious, and I mean, even in the states where you have the trigger laws. 
I just want to make it clear, we're not coming out on one side or the other on this. I'm not going to talk about opinions. I'm not going to talk about belief systems that I hold myself. I'm just talking about what's going on right now in the world and what people are concerned about myself. So please don't take anything that we say when we talk about this as our personal opinions. Okay, um, switching gears. Do you ever get that feeling in the morning where you just don't want to wake up? And you're really struggling to make it through the day, and you just feel like you need a nap. Oh, only every day. Yeah, me too. I live on caffeine, and it's really problematic because I get the jitters, I get the blood sugar spikes, I get like the the tremendous up and downs throughout the day, and extreme fatigue. It's one side or the other, and then at night when it's time to go to bed, I'm so hyped up on caffeine that it's hard to like lay down. Right. Well. Our friends at Magic Mind really have provided an alternative for this. They have this amazing little about two ounces of like Mm -hmm. a shot. And it's kind of got a matcha flavor to it, but it's so awesome. Darcy, what do you think about this beverage? Yeah. So along the same lines as you, I have insomnia. I've had insomnia now for longer than I haven't had insomnia. I just did that math last week and that sucks. Um, so what ends up happening is I'll be working and I'll just be sitting at my computer plugging along and I'll be still sipping on my coffee at 12 o'clock or one o'clock in the afternoon, not realizing that because I'm so tired all the time, it's a cycle that I drink caffeine throughout the day and I drink caffeine way too late in the afternoon to help me fall asleep, even if that were not a problem for me, which it already is. And so it just becomes an everyday cycle of being tired, having too much caffeine, not sleeping. It's a whole thing. So when we got these Magic Mind samples, I was very excited to try them because I'm looking for anything that will help me cut back on my caffeine. This has replaced my caffeine. I don't drink coffee anyway, but I used to drink that chai tea in the morning and it was a lot of sugar. And Mm -hmm. so I was having some spikes and a little jitteriness with it. And I just started taking this little two ounce shot of the Magic Minds instead. And it's been awesome. It's really provided me with a lot of focus and clarity and energy that's steady throughout the day. And plus I feel like I'm doing good things to my body because it has some awesome ingredients. Want to talk about what's in it? Exactly. Yeah, so there's L-theanine, which when paired with caffeine, this is, uh, it helps with focus and attention. And I think for me, this is probably the biggest thing that I need help with because I not, I'm not like you, like I can't give up my coffee in the morning entirely, but I for sure have cut back. Like instead of having a half a pot, I'm having like two cups or maybe one yeah. cup in addition to this magic mind. And I'm, I'm not noticing any kind of differences in my ability to get things done, my focus, my attention, anything like that. Um, it, but it also has other ingredients too, like Bacopa monieri, which is a natural nootropic, and that helps with procrastination. They kind of call it like a natural Adderall. There's also ashwagandha and rhodiola rosea, and these decrease stress and anxiety. And both of us, we've talked about this before, we have taken ashwagandha. I've taken ashwagandha. Sarah, you have taken ashwagandha and rhodiola, yeah, right? As part of a for anxiety, anxiety and stress. kind of an adrenals regimen that was recommended to me. Yeah. And then as well, the lion's yeah. mane and cordyceps mushrooms, which are the last ingredient on there that are like, right. that's good stuff. It's packed. It is. Good stuff. It's all healthy. It's all natural. Like, that's what I appreciate. I don't feel like I'm taking like a five hour energy yeah. or, you know, anything like that. Like, it's nothing. We stand behind this product because it works and, you know, yeah. we think other people should try it as well. But 
If you want to give this a shot yourself, go to magicmind.co. That's M-A-G-I-C-M-I-N-D dot C-O. And what's our code? Well, so it's magicmind.co backslash bizarre. And our discount code is bizarre20. So it's B-I-Z-A-R-R-E and the number's two zero. And that'll get you 20% off your subscription of Magic Mind. And we just got a new shipment recently. So I, I have put mine in the fridge and I have my first one today. And it, it tastes really good, yeah, you guys. It's got an amazing flavor to it. It's much better than the nasty yeah. green juice I've been drinking. But you can drink it room yep. temp, chilled. You can put it in smoothies. There's a lot of different options for that. It's a great drink. All right. Main case for the day. Carolyn Coffee. Have you heard about this case? Okay. I have not heard about this case. Okay. So we're going to go to the lovely area of upstate New York in Ithaca. Okay. And it's the southern end of the state, and it's kind of an oasis in, in, as a part of the Finger Lakes region. This is the home of the Ivy League school Cornell, and it attracts okay. brilliant minds from all over the, the world, basically, for the last couple of decades. The town is actually pretty cosmopolitan, but still has kind of a small-town charm up there in Ithaca. Um, there are lakes, rivers, hills, waterfalls, a bunch of different, like, beautiful scenic things that give this area a very breathtaking kind of a, like, of a feel to it. And mm-hmm. outdoor enthusiasts flock to this place to enjoy the gorgeous northeastern sites, okay? Okay. Carolyn Coffey um, had moved to the area in 2009. She's 28 years old at this time. Let's talk a little bit about her. She was born in Dublin, Ireland in 1980. Ooh. Her family moved to Pennsylvania when she was a toddler. She was a great student. She went on to a very prestigious prep school, and then she studied biology at the University of Scranton, which I guess is a pretty good school. Um, And as an undergraduate, she got lots of accolades and attention for her research that she was doing. Um, She then ended up going on to Cornell, skipping her master's degree and going straight to her PhD, which seems insane to me. Um, Uh, It's actually not terribly uncommon. Um, it's, if you know you're going to go ahead and get a PhD, there's a lot of programs that offer if you have really good bachelor, um, scores for your bachelor degree. Yeah. Um, But like, if you're not a science person, if you're like me, (laughs) that seems like an impossible feat. So like, like she had to have been smart. The people that do that are the people that have their crap together and they are like, nobody does research in undergrad. Like that's so rare. So when somebody actually does research in undergrad, you're like, whoa, they actually know what they want to do with their life. Like, they're yeah. taking things seriously. She, she really did together. know. She was yeah. with it. And she was studying medical science, earning the doctorate mm-hmm. that she was seeking in 2007. And then she was working with cancer researchers on um, cures that involved stem cells. So wow. like cutting, a, cutting edge research was what she was working on. And she started dating fellow PhD candidate Blase Cott around that time. Um, Blase was from New Zealand, I believe. Ooh. That's a fun accent that I cannot mimic and won't try. Yeah, he was from New Zealand. He had initially been working on getting his PhD as well. Then he kind of drops out for a little bit, decides he's burned out, and starts working for a tech startup. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's working 16-hour days, and he's feeling a lot of stress. Um, and Carolyn is pushing towards engagement. And mm-hmm. they actually end up getting engaged in 2008. But Blase starts drinking heavily and missing work. 
Mm. And he's actually asked to take a leave of absence or resign from the position with this startup tech company. And that's kind of presenting some stress for them as well. She was, like I mentioned earlier, she was working on a postdoctorate research at Cornell, originally from Dublin Island, blah, blah, blah. She was working in veterinary medicine after completing her PhD in comparative biomedical sciences in 2007. She was determined to make a difference and further the important research that she'd been working on to find a, can- a cure for cancer with stem cells. Wow. So she had, shortly before this whole thing happened, she had gotten married to 20, her 24-year-old boyfriend, Blase. Okay. Hot. And like I mentioned, he's originally from New Zealand. He was a computer tech guy, and he was working on his PhD in information science. Okay. So these two brainiac newlyweds loved the gorgeous outdoor lifestyle that they'd been living and they frequently engaged in Ithaca sites. They ran together. They did a lot of outdoor sports and activities. They just seemed like from the outside, like this perfect couple, which is what, you know, what we always say. Sure. Um, But then, you know, I mentioned that whole thing where he started to get stressed. He was working long hours. He was asked to take that leave of absence and he basically quits and never speaks to anyone there again. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And this was around 2007, 2008, the end of 2007, the beginning of 2008. And he's like mid-20s? Yeah, he's 24, about mid-20s, yeah. And um, they got married shortly after that in 2008, late 2008. And they they get married first in a small civil ceremony. Mm -hmm. And then um, Blase decides he's going to get back into the PhD program in January 2009, and he gets back in at Cornell and gets him, throws himself back into his work. And the couple decides around that time that they want to have a formal ceremony and a party for their friends and family in Costa Rica to, se- to celebrate their nuptials. Okay. And they want to make this for May 2nd the following year, or no, May 2nd um, in 2009. Okay. So... They have all their friends and family down there, and exactly one month after their wedding, things take this dramatic turn. So Carolyn and Blase are these runners, and they had this apartment where just behind their place was this Black Diamond Trail. Okay. And it was one of their favorite spots to go. It's about eight and a half miles total, and it's popular with joggers and cyclers and cross-country skiers in the winter. Yeah. And there's this amazing waterfall in one part of it and all sorts of just gorgeous sights. So we're going to fast forward to June 2nd, 2009. Again, it's about a month after the two had gotten married with their friends and family in this beautiful Costa Rican ceremony. It's about 9.45 p.m. Okay. Okay, setting the scene here. A park officer sees a red car idling in one of the parking lots on the north end of the park, pretty close to the waterfall. Okay. Okay. These parking lots are supposed to be closed after dark. Right. So the officer is kind of checking out this car and is wondering why it's still there. And he kind of intends to go kind of knock on the window. Hey, buddy, time for you to go. Probably expecting, like, teenagers hooking up or something. Either teenagers hooking up or someone who'd been involved in some outdoor activities and maybe just got tired and was taking a rest before they drove home. That kind of thing. It's not uncommon for those sorts of things to happen, according to the park rangers. So this police officer slash park person shines his flashlight into the car and immediately sees this guy slumped over the driver's seat. He's moving around. He's looking like he's trying to do something, but they can't really tell what it is. So they tap on the window with a flashlight, and the guy turns, and he's got dry blood all over his left arm, and he's bleeding profusely. And he just steps on the gas and speeds the heck out of there. Whoa. 
just taking off. And the cop chases him, and the car gets onto the freeway, and he calls the vehicle in to the police, and state troopers and other local police start following this red vehicle as it exceeds 90 miles per hour at times. And it's weaving in and out of traffic, and it's like 10 o'clock at night, so it's not super, super busy, but eventually it has to slow down, yeah. and it runs off the road into a strand of trees and basically wrecks the car. Oh, my gosh. Into a stand of trees and basically wrecks the car. The driver was unconscious by that point, and he's dressed in his bathrobe. He's clutching a utility knife, and it's clear that he slashed his own neck in multiple areas or Whoa. cut himself on, down his neck in multiple areas. The police take away the knife, and they render first aid. Okay. Eventually, or no, the, the paramedics arrive, and they render first aid. Yeah. The police take away the knife, and the paramedics arrive and render first aid, and the driver comes to, and they check his ID and ask him, you know, what's going on? Where are you? And he starts asking about where his wife Carolyn is. Oh, no. And ask them if they can go check on her. And as time is passing, he is getting more and more upset. And eventually they take him away from medical care where they go do like a welfare check yeah. on Blase's wife at their apartment. Okay. Which is not far from there because they live near the Black Diamond Trail, right? Okay. When they get there, they see that the apartment is on fire. Hmm. <gasps> And firefighters are quickly called to the site, and the flame is put out, but it's obvious that this fire has been set deliberately, and Carolyn was nowhere to be found. The, the day after police find Blagé, they organize an air and ground search to find Carolyn, because okay. it sounds really weird. Like, come on. Yeah. He's not giving him any information. He's really worried about her. He slashed his own throat, so something's got to be going on so here. So he's probably also, like, in a psychological hole a bit too. Yeah. At the hospital, right? And I don't know whether his name is pronounced Blase or Blazé. Okay. B L A Z E J. But it's pronounced Blage. I think it's pronounced Blage. Okay. Anyway, the police had organized this air and ground search to find Carolyn. And unfortunately, a few minutes into the search, a cyclist who had no part of this search party finds Carolyn's body. Mm. And she's discovered on her back. And she's on the Black Diamond Trail. She's about 400 yards from her own front door. She's dressed in running gear, and she's covered in blood, and her throat has been slashed. Okay. Her cause of death was determined to be from blood loss, obviously. And it's right. estimated that it happened in under two minutes because of the degree in which, you know, the slicing occurred. Right. And there was also a blunt force injury above her right eye, and her right forearm showed defensive wounds. So she had okay. tried to fight off her attacker. Blage was immediately arrested for second-degree murder, and he lawyered up pretty quick and got a pretty experienced lawyer, not a, not a run-of-the-mill public defender. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure whether he just got lucky in the public defender pool or if he was able to actually hire this top-notch attorney. Right. But um, evidently, the, the apartment allegedly contained tons of evidence that Blage thought he could get away with get rid of it by setting a fire right right there had been sneakers stained with blood there was bloody clothing there was a computer um there was accelerant and blood stains all over the apartment the computer actually had crazy search history which surprise surprise right right it had search history between 7 45 and 9 30 p.m on the night of the murder and it was googled how to kill neck artery and jugular vein whoa so i mean that's uh, i mean i don't you can't argue against that. That's some pretty... Very hard to argue. I mean, yeah. 
it's pretty clear from everybody looking at this that Blaget had killed Carolyn. Right. But why? These two had seemed pretty happy and in love. There were no red flags, according to their friends and family, and no one could figure out what in the heck had made this guy snap. But by July 2009, Blaget was examined by psychologists extensively, and one of these doctors emerges, and he has this kind of prevailing theory about what he thinks happened to Blaget, and he says that Blaget had suffered some sort of rare mental disorder. It's called Capgras syndrome. It's called what? Capgras syndrome. Okay. And evidently... This syndrome is the delusional belief that someone that you love or know closely has an identical double. So that's like a soap opera. Yeah, they basically believe that their loved one has been replaced by an imposter. Wow. It can be belief in a person, animal, or object, and it can affect men and women, and is more common in women, but also can affect children, and it's usually associated with Alzheimer's or dementia where memory or sense of reality are impacted. However, this particular condition can also be caused by schizophrenia or brain injuries, epilepsy, etc. There's no known treatment, um, but treatment of the underlying condition often helps. Mm -hmm. So they start to kind of look at Blaget's past and see that he was born in 1984 to a Polish family, to a Polish family that lived in Africa. Okay. So his mother was a doctor, so they were traveling and, and doing medical care in Africa, and Blaget was frequently sick. He's known to have had malaria twice before the age of five, which can significantly impact a growing mm-hmm. brain. Um, the family returned to Poland and then immigrated to New Zealand, where they settled permanently. Blaget was intelligent, quiet, obedient, and sensitive. Again, I said his mother was a doctor, and she was a vocal supporter of her son, though he seemed to have intense arguments with his father often. By the age of 15, he was having paranoid delusions, believing he was being watched and kind of taped. He believed he would be picked to be some sort of top-secret agent someday, and that's why people were watching him. Again, very delusional. His that's very early for if that's, a, if that's schizophrenia. It's one of the symptoms of schizophrenia, a type of schizophrenia, but that's very early yeah. for that onset. It is, but it's not surprising considering he'd had the malaria twice before, so something in his brain chemistry could have been impacted right. by that because malaria is like, isn't that swelling of the brain and there's some like pretty severe symptoms that occur with right. malaria, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. In any case, his father testified that his son was always curious about electrical outlets and was known to believe that many had cameras in them, and they were designed and put in to watch him and record his every move. Hmm. But this Blaget was very smart, and he was able to function normally through the years and kind of fit in, even though he was having these delusions. Did he take medication? It does not appear that he did. he did. Interesting. But after graduating from college in New Zealand, Blaget began studying at Cornell, and he seems to be well-adjusted, according to the people that knew him. Okay. But the stress, you know, the stress of this job issue yeah. and getting a, getting a PhD is extremely stressful, right? Hey, hello, hi. Right? <laughs> so this is mounting, and basically when they decided to take the trip to Costa Rica to get married and, and have their family join them, they had to take anti-malaria drugs. Right. And those are pretty strong. 
Oh, they are, I mean, they basically give you like Cipro, which just attacks everything in your body. Like it's, like it's not, it's not like it's an antibiotic that attacks like a sinus infection or something. Like it's just like everything it's that's hardcore. bad in your body, we're getting it out. It's like, almost it's just, like it's, chemotherapy. Like it's, it's intense. It's super aggressive. Like the, the GI problems you have with Cipro are, well. In any case though. Doctors believe that the taking of these anti-malaria drugs kind of triggered his mental imbalance hmm. and caused his delusions to come back even more fiercely. And he starts thinking he's being watched again, and everyone around him is part of a huge conspiracy. Okay. Although, what's interesting about this is he's reporting this after the fact, and no one can really testify that he's been doing this before the death of Carolyn. Right. So they talk and about how he, yeah, they talk about how he had had some strange beliefs as a child, but it's more like him talking about it now and embellishing on it now, because it provides him with a, 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 an excuse. Right. And I mean, I guess like if the if he was having these paranoid responses, like the only person that he would be talking to about it might conceivably be his wife. So like. And she's not here to tell the story. Right. right. So he believes he's being tested and couldn't reveal this to anyone, even though he's becoming more and more delusional each day. He says he didn't talk to Carolyn about this at all. He just hit it oh. because he thought she was part of this. Oh. He then was convinced that Carolyn had been replaced by someone that looked just like her in this massive plan to test him and that killing her was the only way that he could end this test. So May, late May, Blage decides he's going to kill Carolyn, and he admits to this. June 2nd, when Carolyn got dressed to go for a run, her husband hides a utility knife in his clothing so he can, quote, kill the imposter. As the jog started, Blage lets Carolyn run ahead a little bit and grabs a piece of metal pipe that he randomly found on the ground and hits her. Jesus. And she's trying to defend herself, but she was no match for him, and he used right. the box cutter to slash her throat. Then he drops okay. her on the ground before running home, changing clothes. He says that he intended to kill himself and that he'd gone to this bridge and was intending to jump, but changed his mind. And then he gets the box cutter and comes back to the park in his bathrobe and starts conceivably trying to slash his own throat. Why would he, if he thought that he was doing a, a good thing, why would he kill himself? I don't know. And none of this okay. makes any sense to me. Right. But he had okay. used paint thinner to start this fire in an attempt to get rid of all the evidence. And again, if he's delusional and trying to kill her, how would he know to hide the evidence? How would he, you know what I mean? It just doesn't yeah. make logical sense. I can kind of see like hiding the evidence, trying to like setting the house on fire in the sense of to the outside world, this is going to look bad. They don't know that this is that I've done actually a good thing. You know what I mean? Like I can kind of see how you can get to that point. I don't see how dying by suicide is. I don't know. But he had decided he was going to do that. He said right. he gained his lucidity and was going to commit suicide, and that's when he was spotted. That's when oh, he was he, spotted by the park officer. Okay, he gained his lucidity. Okay, that's so he, he like snapped claimed. out of it. Yeah, which okay. just seems awfully convenient, right? Right. Sure. Um, Blanger's doctor believed that the anti-malaria drug induced this psychotic break. As I mentioned earlier, this chloroquine was what he was given as an antibacterial drug. 
And the side effect, though rare, is thought to have been the cause of this, and it made him particularly vulnerable because he had an underlying mental health issue, right? He had that paranoid delusions, right? Yeah. And uh, when when added with the stress and anxiety that he was already experiencing in his own life, the chloroquine caused a psychotic break. Yeah. Specifically, this Capgras syndrome. And this is a really rare syndrome, but it's real. And often cases in documented um, instances of this illness, it has a deadly impact. Mm. Violence is the typical kind of reaction to fear and confusion. Because if you can imagine, like if you see somebody, there's a facial recognition. So you recognize them. You just don't know who they are. So it can be particularly traumatic to the person experiencing this. Yeah, there's a couple different syndromes where facial recognition is an issue. And because this usually occurs with dementia or like severe mental illness, they kind of are doubtful as to whether this guy actually suffered it because I guess only about 1.12% of Capgras patients are not dementia sufferers. And clearly this guy was not a dementia sufferer. Yeah. Hmm. Um, April 2010, Blaget pleads not guilty to second degree murder. His trial takes place, and he's actually pleading a variation of the insanity defense. Okay. And what this does is it shifts the burden of proof to the defendant instead of the prosecution. Because in a typical criminal case, you have to prove by preponderance of the evidence that this person did it. So it has to be like 99% of the evidence that this person did this crime. But it shifts it to the defendant to prove by preponderance of the evidence that their mental condition impacted their ability to rationally think through and intend criminal consequences. Interesting. So it is interesting. Winning this could mean a reduction of charges to manslaughter and much less time in prison if he is um, proven to have this Capgras syndrome and that impacted his ability to make decisions. Okay. But the prosecutor believed that Blaget was basically faking the mental illness. And that he murdered Carolyn on purpose when he snapped. And there was just too much premeditation here to say that this could have been a snapping type of an incident, right? Mm -hmm. Because clearly he had planned to kill her in May and didn't do it until June. So there's some planning, right? Right. Expert witnesses fought this one out. And the jury came back with a verdict saying that Blaget only had symptoms after his doctor suggested them. Whoa. Yeah. Blaget was actually found guilty and was sentenced to 25 years to life for that second-degree murder charge. Okay. And that's the case right there. But it's super interesting because, I mean, can you imagine? You meet this person, they seem totally normal to you, and they've got this underlying mental illness that they're hiding. I don't... So I don't know... If you have a very serious mental illness, it seems to me that if you're with somebody that you're marrying like you're spending enough time with that person that you're gonna it see seems like it would be very difficult to hide that i feel like it would be and i don't know why this very very intelligent woman didn't see that or maybe she did see it and thought you know what i'm not going to judge this person it, he's not violent it's just a, right. a, a minor delusion I can help him, or maybe he's not. It's not that bad. He'll get help, and things will be fine. And I and mm. I'm a bigger person, and I can love them despite that. Maybe that's the case. Right. Maybe. Yeah. 
Because, I mean, have you ever met someone that you just knew, a guy that is dating, that you just knew they were a little off? Um, no. I mean, like, no. yes, in the sense of, like, I'm not going to go and meet you kind of a way, like, from talking on a dating app or whatever, like. No, but, like, somebody that you start seeing. Uh, no, see, I've never and then had that. through the course of dating them, it's like, oh, my No, I've God. never experienced that. <laughs> Something serious is going on here. This is not normal. I need to get out. No, I have not. And I don't judge people with mental illness because it's depression, anxiety, all those things are, they're really oh, yeah. serious. And a large portion of the population suffers from some form of each one of these at some point That's in their it. lives. And, a, and an even larger portion of us know someone close to them who experiences right. these things. So I try not to make judgments, but at the same time, when you've got a mental health condition that is, you know, 90% or, you know, in crazy high chances of that person reacting in a violent right. way it's a whole nother story and i don't think that anyone around this guy knew what he was dealing with or what kind of a mental condition he was suffering right. from i think he hid that well so my guess is he thought people were going to react to him differently he thought people were going to think he was strange so he kept it to himself yeah which is i think what a lot of mental health sufferers do they don't want to be it judged is. They don't want to be, you know, found guilty in a court of public opinion, so they keep it to themselves. Yeah, there's, a, I mean, there's still a stigma around seeking help for mental health issues, and... Absolutely. It's getting better, but, like, yeah, it's definitely still... And who knows if it would have helped for this guy or not, because it's my understanding that there's no cure for Capgras syndrome. Right, but so if he had indeed been that, he was still having paranoid delusions. So like, there is help for that, right? Seeking therapy for that, and the biggest thing, like, I kind of want to mention is going back to like noticing it in a relationship or anything like that. Like, it is not your responsibility to manage your partner's mental health. Right. Like, you can support them, you can love them, you can help them, but like. They have to manage their mental health. It's not it's not their fault, but it is their responsibility. Yeah. Like that's so just kind of I just wanted to put that out there. Like So if you yourself feel like you're suffering from something, just get some help. You can do it anonymously. You don't yeah. have to tell your friends and family. You don't have to tell anyone. That's only your business. And if you suspect somebody close to you has a mental health condition that's serious like this, then you should get some help too. Yeah. And even if it's having that difficult conversation and being like, you know, I love you, but something's going on here. We, we need to fix this. Right. So. So did you, te- did you say what his sentence was? 25 years to life. 25 to life. Okay. Yeah. And I believe he has the possibility of parole. And I'm assuming because he, just, he was just found guilty that he's not getting mental health services in New York. Uh, he might not be. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that he's been properly diagnosed. If they think that he has this Capgras syndrome and nobody else but this one doctor believes that, I mean, right. how are they going to be able to properly diagnose this guy if he's either acting or faking or kind of pretending to have symptoms that he doesn't have? It's really hard to know. Right. And, I mean, in all honesty, like, a state is not going to bring in a specialist to deal with a prisoner. No. They're not going to spend that money. So they're probably just trying to give him, like, some kind of generic treatment for something. Yeah, which is really sad. Yeah. Because 
I mean, this guy could have had so much promise. He could have done big things with his life. He was in, it, clearly he was incredibly intelligent, and clearly he was educated in computer and IT and all that kind of stuff. So like he could have made a big difference, but he ended his own life and he ended her life essentially. Yeah. This person who could have found a cure for cancer. Yeah. It's just it's incredibly tragic and sad. That is sad. That's awful. So anyway, unless there's anything else you want to add, we're going to go ahead and wrap the episode up for the day. I don't. That's crazy. I've never heard of that syndrome before. I think it's pretty rare that, that you mentioned like a psychological thing I haven't heard of. Yeah, absolutely. So, fascinating. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, or you yourself know one who has had something like Capgras syndrome, shoot us an email. Like We're more than happy to give you a shout out on the show and talk about it and get into it in more detail. Um, our email address is the BFD podcast at gmail.com. We also do occasionally post pictures on social on social media darcy what's our social media yeah we are at the bfd podcast on uh instagram and so like sarah said we'll post um some pictures and stuff like that probably of like the area and how pretty it is and stuff like that yeah i mean we can still i think there are pictures of the couple um and the really sad part about this too is like i guess because they'd just been married like in their official ceremony like a month before she had just gotten her professional pictures back from the photographer and literally like the day before she was killed she was she posted most of them on facebook and told people tag yourself and so here are all these people on facebook like tagging themselves and enjoying this joyous occasion and making these memories and she's being killed that's just devastating um okay um and please join us again next week next week when we talk more about weird wacky and wild stories good night podcast peeps stay safe keep it real and always live your very best life bye bye guys